The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have never been paying attention When you were just talking to me Do you think that you could repeat the question And I listen more attentively Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? I need to go up a little bit Oh, I like that. One, two, a little better. All righty. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good. Glad to hear it. You in the yellow car? Fantastic. Want to thank. Uh, Want to thank our our new intern today. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Blatchford. What's his name? Jim Blatchford. Jim. For bringing me my iced coffee. Appreciate <laughs> what's his name? that. <laughs> Something like that. I am here today. No Paul today. Because uh, as soon as I tell Paul I've got a guest, he's like, oh, does that mean I don't have to come? Yeah, so, Paul, that, that means you don't have to come. So, uh, we do have, in his place, because we have a great guest today, um, someone that I've been kind of watching since he was a kid, and he's actually doing pretty good, and I, I have a lot of respect for this guy, uh, Gary Mannion. He's a Lawrence firefighter, but beyond that, beyond being a hero Lawrence firefighter, and by the way, thank you for your service. I appreciate <laughs> that. You. No, seriously. These guys are running into burning buildings in 100-degree weather, um, in, in Lawrence, no, no doubt. Um, but he's also a political pundit. So a couple of years ago, him and Gary, uh, him and uh, Jim Blatchford um, went live on, I think it was Facebook or YouTube, uh, on election day during one of the local elections. And they asked me to come and sit in with them. And one of the things Gary said, and it's still been sitting in the back of my head since he said it, he said, you know, when I was growing up, and by the way, thanks for making me feel old. You're welcome. Sorry. He goes, he goes when I was growing up, I used to love election night because I'd watch Tommy Duggan go live on cable access and do like live election results as they were coming in. And nobody's doing that anymore, so we wanted to do that. So him and Jim Blatchford started doing that in Lawrence. So glad that they picked up the ball and they started doing stuff like that. And uh, with a big election coming up, now if you live in Massachusetts, if you're listening to us in Massachusetts, we have a big election coming up. You'd never know it if you read the daily paper. You'd never know it if you watch TV, if you watch the news, that there was actually an election going on where we are supposed to be choosing like you know, the, 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 uh, the people who are going to lead us next in government. But, uh, but there is, and it is, by the way, the day after Labor Day, so we, I expect a very low turnout. And I wanted to have uh, Gary come on and talk with us about – I wanted to go through each of the races and kind of give you guys a snapshot as to who these candidates are and you know what they're about. Initially, we were going to have a debate today, Gary, between Christina Minicucci and Lisa Ferry, and neither, neither one of them could get their act together. And um, I have to be honest with you, I started off saying that I'm supporting Lisa Ferry. Not too sure I'm doing that now. Um, uh, there's a lot going on. We can talk about that later on in the show. Uh, but before we get to all the local election stuff, it, uh, it would be very difficult to start a show today without talking about the scandal scandal in Methuen. Yep. We have a superintendent in Methuen who, is, who has been superintendent for eight years. She was hired in 2010 even though she didn't have a license to be a superintendent. And she got a waiver for the first year. I don't even know why, why DOE allows waivers 
Like, yeah. a, like I have a requirement. You have to have a license to drive a car. But if you want to drive a car, we'll just give you a waiver for a year. You don't have to have a license. You can just drive wherever you feel like it, right? right. Yeah, exactly. But she got a waiver for a year, and then she never went and took the courses and got her license to be a superintendent. And when the story came out, Gary, uh, you know, everybody's jumping on my shit saying, oh, you just don't like her and you're taking too much pleasure in this. But when the story first came out, I posted on Facebook that I thought it was fake news. When the Tribune first did their story, it was very vague. They didn't have a lot of stuff behind it. And I couldn't even imagine that someone of the stature of Judy Scandal, who has been in education forever, who has um, been, a, been in Methuen schools forever, would could possibly be that stupid. And yet, here we, here we are. Yeah, I, I did see that. You kind of gave them a little bit of credit, too, that it was real news. So well, for, you, for you to even do that. Right, yeah. Well, it was very... Uh, that's... I'm, I'm big. I'm pissed off at Judy Scandal for no other reason, but I had to retract that it was fake news and give the Tribune credit for something, right? Just that alone. But then we find out after she, after we find out that she has no license to be a superintendent. By the way, she lied. She told uh, Tim Wood at, at Methuen Loop that she had she had gotten her license, but she let it lapse, which turns out to be a lie. And then we find out through some great work by I can't believe I'm saying the Eagle Tribune again, but you know a broken clock, right? The Eagle Tribune does some more digging, and they find out, lo and behold, she was a principal for 10 years at the Tenney and one of the other schools in Methuen, and she never had her license to be a principal. So I think the question, Gary, because you sat on a school committee, right? Like I'm You're, still you're, on, you're yeah. up on this stuff. I sat yeah. on a school committee. Um, every, every time when I was on the school committee, like we've, the school committee fired when I was there in Lawrence, they fired Jim Scully. Mm -hmm. I voted against firing Jim Scully, but whatever, they fired him. And then they had to replace him. And they said, oh, well, let's put together a search committee. And I was like, no, 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 no. You guys don't understand. You don't get it. We don't want a search committee. We're the search committee. We were the ones yep. that were elected. We're the ones that are supposed to go through the resumes yep. and vet people and then, and then pick a superintendent. And, of course, most elected officials don't want to do any work. Correct. And they also don't want the responsibility of picking somebody bad. So they always put it off on this invisible search committee, all of which are political hacks mm -hmm. that they appoint – to get the result that they want, but they don't want the responsibility. So um, I, I think as we drill down into this, there's going to be a big meeting tonight in Methuen uh, of the school committee. I suspect from what I'm told, she's going to be allowed to resign tonight or retire tonight, that she's going to get her pension one way or the other. I'm told by a few members of the school committee that there's a move afoot to take away her uh, sick time buyback in her contract. Uh, I think they ought to be doing a hell of a lot more than that. Um, and I, and it, I think there needs to be an investigation now mm. as to how this occurred. Absolutely. And I think the first place they should start is go back and see who was on that search committee that was supposed to vet her when she was running for superintendent, when she was applying for superintendent, because those are the people that were supposed to make sure she had all her bona fides. They were supposed to be the ones that said, oh, yeah, okay, she's got her license to be a principal. Um, she's got a license to be a superintendent. I know. What are your thoughts no, on all this? I mean, we went through this in Lawrence three times. We fired three superintendents. I, I know. And I think back and I'm thinking, all right, so she probably applied for it. Maybe they just assumed she's been a principal for 10 years. Somebody else did that vetting so we don't have to check in on the principal certification. But I'm assuming they figured out she wasn't certified to be a superintendent. So they gave her that. They let her do that one year and right. she had to take the classes. But then what after that? There had to have been some type of stopgap somewhere where they said at this point someone's going to check in and make sure. And if they didn't put those things into place – 
it's really on the school committee at that point. At least whoever the school committee members were at that point. And I'm sure they're long gone now. We're talking over a decade ago. Right. So maybe some are still around. But um, it'd be interesting to see who, who those school committee members were and sort of if they can recollect now or get up meeting minutes of some sort. Right. I'd like to see if they can take her to court and get the money back that we've paid her for the last eight years because she obtained it fraudulently. I mean, she she obtained it. I mean, she was all over the state saying, I'm a superintendent. And guess what? You might have... You might be the superintendent of Methuen Schools, but you're not a superintendent. You don't have yeah. a license. Like, I'm not a driver if I don't have a license. Right. That, 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 like you're saying, that is like, kind of like saying, like, you're going to drive without a license, but it's the DMV's fault. Right, yeah. That you were driving. Yeah, they didn't notify me I was right. supposed to go get my license. Right, yeah. If the DMV doesn't know whether or not you're driving, yeah. you know what I mean? So if you're out there on the road, you don't have your license, it's actually on you. So uh, it, I don't know. That, that's that's crazy. Maybe maybe there's some type of maybe there's something more that we we didn't know about, and maybe you'll find that out tonight at the school committee meeting. But it it boggles my mind as to how someone thought they could get away with it. And I also think that whoever her assistant superintendent was, or yeah. whoever her personnel director was, whose job it is to make sure that all of the the uh, can you just boost my volume just a little bit more? Um, to, whose job it is to make sure that all of the administrators, including the superintendent, including the assistant superintendents, have all of their licenses and certifications. There's got to be, with all the millions and millions of dollars we pump into school systems, there's got to be one person who's responsible to make sure that that happens, and that person needs to be fired too. Mm -hmm. I think that person needs to be fired. Some type of, yeah, absolutely. Whoever the personnel director is of of some sort within the school committee. I suspect, though, they're not going to do any of that. I suspect that they're going to accept her her resignation, let her go quietly, shove everything under the rug, and say, and you'll, you'll know tonight if you hear words like, we need to move forward. Yeah. yeah move you, beyond this. Move, yeah, move, yeah, move forward it. means we don't want anybody to know what happened. That's what right. move forward means. So I know that um, Nick DiZoglio is going to be making all kinds of excuses for her. Uh, when you watch, I'm going to give you a preview of tonight's meeting before you even watch it. Um, he's going to come out and talk about how much she cared about the children and her years of service to education and all the lives that she touched while she was here. And he's not going to really talk so much about how she committed fraud against us. Right. Like you, just, you just said, you know, it's like driving without a license. You can, you can care about the car that you're driving. <laughs> right. Doesn't mean right. you have a right to drive the car. So you can care a lot about it. But it, again, it is, it's, it's crazy that she knew. For nine years, she was doing this without a license. Right, right. So, from and, an outside perspective, looking in for someone from Lawrence, we've gone through this dozens of yeah, times three, already. At least three times. At right? least three times. And for yeah. our superintendents, we fired Jim Scully. Uh, I was on that school committee. I voted not to fire Jim Scully. He sued and won, by the way. So I was right about that. Uh, and then we fired Meg Gaskins because she was, uh, and that was really stupid, right? She was expensing like hot dogs and potato chips while she was on vacation. <laughs> it was. Yeah, and they decided to get rid of her. By the way, we all know that's not why she was really fired. There was other stuff going on, but they didn't want to talk that's about those things. That's what they went with. Yeah, the expenses. That, right, that was the excuse. And then they fired Wilfredo Leboy because he, well, he was convey, he was indicted and convicted of like you know that one. We yeah, we know about that yeah, one. Yeah, that, that was a that was a tough one though because I really liked Wilfredo Leboy. I started hating him, and by the time they were ready to indict him, I actually liked the guy. After all, and I was like, years. after all this, <laughs> so but he's actually he's doing well. I like his kid too. His, Willie Leboy Junior is a nice kid too. Uh, so we have that going on tonight. I'm going to be going live on Facebook uh, tonight from that meeting. I'm going to be doing it from uh, from my office. We'll do it on TV, and uh, and we'll see what happens. But I think we pretty much know what, what's going to happen. I think we know they're going to yeah. let her go, and um, I don't think they're going to fire her. I don't Does she resign or retire? Does she try I to resign, get her license, and do something else? Well, she she could, but either way, she gets her pension. Right. Right. So either she way, doesn't lose anything. Right. E- either way, she gets yeah. a pension. So. Uh, I was under the impression, because I don't know everything, right? Right. I was under the impression that 
the school committee could like petition to have her not get her pension because mm-hmm. she was here fraudulently, right? Mm-hmm. So I talked to somebody who was actually on a pension board last night. Not the Methuen pension board, but another one. And they said that unless she's actually convicted of a crime, like when Lenny Degnan was found to be doing all the things he was doing in Lawrence City Hall, mm-hmm. they couldn't take his pension until he was convicted of an actual crime. So once he was convicted, then they, then they could take his pension away from him, like Billy Bulger mm-hmm. and these other people. So no matter what, unless Methuen School Committee decides to petition the DA's office to charge her with a crime, and then she's convicted of that crime, she's going to walk away with her full friggin' pension. Even after all this, even after all this. And this is why people hate government. So Judy Scannell wins no matter what. She wins no matter what. So, okay, she gets a little egg on her face. Yeah. We all know that in this ADD culture, three weeks from now, no one's going to even remember who Judy Scannell was. Maybe she'll run against Judy. Right. Well, listen, I, I might support that. <laughs> I might support that. She might that. be qualified for that. There right? you go. She right? might be. She could probably do a better job, too. <laughs> who knows? She'd be a fake mayor. Right? She was a fake superintendent, then she'd be a fake mayor. No certifications needed for that, right? but as she, we know. But she can go on. like She can quit tonight, get her pension, and go on and be like a, an education consultant mm-hmm. for like the Mass Department of Ed and New Hampshire Department of Ed. Making six figures. She could be making six figures, and like none of this happened. With a pension. And this is, I think, what people, Gary, and you see it because you're involved in this stuff. This is what frustrates the average person, why the average person doesn't vote, mm-hmm. and why they have no faith in their government. Because they see these things... And they realize that the system is built so that even if you're a crook, even if you're a fraud, you're still going to benefit from what you did. Mm-hmm. There's no accountability and there's no puni- There's never any punishment. Yeah, again, she's going to get like a, a couple of nasty headlines, egg on her face. And, you know, I know Judy pretty well. I, that's going to really bother her, I'm sure. Um, but the bottom line is she's still walking away with quite a, quite a big payday. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. she makes one hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars a year. She's going to get at least eighty percent of that for the rest of her life. Like, I don't even understand this whole pension thing where you get paid the rest of your life not to work. That I don't get, but that's another whole story. Well, you're a Democrat. You know, you here's like the thing: I was in the private sector for quite a while. The right? voice of purgatory, Ed Sullivan. Yeah. So, <laughs> let's say you're making a hundred thousand a year in the public sector. So now you get eighty thousand for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. right? Well, what kind of a 401k would you need right. in the private sector to generate right. 80000 guaranteed right. Right, with mm. some in- adjustment for inflation? I work 18-hour days. I don't make 80000 a year. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. seriously, that's a lot of money. It is. For especially to those of us who friggin' work. All right. I have no timer up here, so I have no idea. Are we, well, uh, we're, Tom, we're good? Well, I'm going to start it at 15, so okay. you can just add 15. All right. Yep. No, I just want to – I mean, I can always look at my uh, my, my count, my uh, – computer here too. So Gary, we have you here for uh, a couple of other things. Uh, you know, there's obviously a bunch of stuff we could talk about, but I think the most important thing we can talk about today, um, and I apologize for those of you who are going to be downloading this after next Tuesday's election, but I think we really should go through the different races and explain to people who are going to be voting next Tuesday what these races are, what they're about, and who the candidates are. Absolutely. Where do you want to start? We can start with the Lawrence State Rep race. We can start with the congressional race, the North End of a Methuen race. I say we start with the Lawrence State Rep race. Excellent. That's one we could talk about for Excellent. a while. Yeah, we could I'm do sure. a whole show just on that. <laughs> so Willie Linty, I think I hear a lot of people in Lawrence say they're not going to vote. And when I ask them, I mean, I don't mean the insiders that you and I rub shoulders with at every right. event. I mean, when I'm talking about average people, I'm hanging out in the neighborhoods and I'm playing dominoes with some of my Dominican friends. And they say, no, I'm not voting. And I'm like, why? 
that we're sick and tired of Devers versus Lantigua. It's been Devers versus Lantigua for like 135 years in this city. We go back, like if you go back, it's like we step back in time. It's about 10 years. 10 easy. years ago, yeah. it was Lantigua versus Marcos. Then the mayor's race, it was Lantigua versus Marcos. And then the next state rep race, it was Lantigua versus Marcos. It doesn't stop Lantigua versus Marcos. Even when Juan and Matias ran... Willie was, was behind. Basically, yeah, Lentigua it was really it was Lentigua versus yeah. Marcos because Willie was behind Matias. So let's talk about this. What are your thoughts on Marcos versus Willie Lantigua? Does Willie have a shot to come back? I win either way because if Marcos wins, my friend is in the state house, and I have another guy I can call when I need something. If Willie wins, it's headlines as far as the eye can see for scandals. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think. Um, this is something we've said for a long time. Willie always has a shot, right? Mm-hmm. If Willie's in the election, Willie always has a shot. Willie makes sure of that. So uh, the Lantigua Devers race, it's, it's, it's an interesting race. Um, most notably, I think, um, as, I, as I was like look, looking at the um, contributions-wise, Willie's probably raised the least amount of money he's ever raised for a race. Oh, that's not good. He's coming in maybe $5,000 uh, total. That's when he's at a at total. More- when you look at the list and you see that Willie raised the least, that's when he's most deadly because that means he's not spending money. He's doing one-on-one. At least he's not telling anyone he's spending money. No. You know no. what I mean? So, well, well, and we all know he cheats, right? We all know that he raises cash. He well, doesn't declare it. We all know that. A good right? way to look at it, too, is you know, a lot of his signs, it's like plywood. You know, he's right. taking plywood. He's putting paint on. He's just showing that you don't need to go out and spend all this money. Willie knows how to do it right. on, a, on a very cheap budget. So, yes, he does. Um, and he's, that's what he's best at. So, he's a master. I, I will say, I think um, it, in the history of, of the Willy Lantigua, Marcos Devers saga as it is, Marcos has never beaten Willy Lantigua in a Democratic primary. Never beaten him in a primary. Every time they faced off in the Democratic primary, Willy, Willy Lantigua has right. always won. Because that's his base. And if you're looking at that district in Lawrence, uh, and what number is that? The 14th? I don't know. I it can... is the 14th. No. 16th Essex. Yeah, yeah, see, 16th I can never remember Essex. the numbers because only the insiders really yeah. care about that. 14, 15, 16. But. Uh, when I, when I look at when you look at that district, when Willie ran against Dan Rivera for mayor mm-hmm. a, a year or two ago, he swamped Dan Rivera. He swamped him in that in those neighborhoods. Right. But then when you look one year later, when William Marcos faced off in that first primary, uh, in that in that election, it was a general election race, mm-hmm. and Marcos swamped him. Mm-hmm. You know, Willie only beat Marcos well, in, in the final because you're in the final right. general election, right? Higher but turnout. But in the primaries, low turnout. Yeah, low turnout, and that's where Willie thrives. He knows how to get people out to the polls. Blatchford, he knows how to get 10, 15, 20 people out at a time. Blatchford's good at this. What's the turnout going to be Tuesday in Lawrence? Yeah. 32%, really? That much? Because of Juana, right? Yeah. All right. So, so Willie, we hear that Willie has the support, no, not surprising, of Juana Matias's people, that mm-hmm. most of Juana's people are Willie's people, and I think that gives Willie an edge, mm-hmm. right? I, because they're going to be out there. She's running for Congress, and... and all of her people are going to be driving people to the polls. They're going to be getting. It's going to. I think it's going to raise the turn. He's probably right. It's probably going to be close to thirty percent, maybe even a little higher. Uh, anyone who follows Lawrence politics, and you'll you'll back me up on this. Uh, part of that election's already been decided. The absentee ballots, right. that have been already. Yeah, Willie's sent already in, won. He's already stuffed the absentee ballots in the DR. They've figured out how many votes they need to win. Yep. And they've already filled out enough absentee ballots to make sure that. Um, He's he's in a good comfortable spot. So how many absentee ballots from the Dominican Republic do we know? Can we? Can, is there any way to vet that? <laughs> I don't know if there's any way to actually figure that out. But because I, I get you know I don't want to jump to the next race, but I know that Juana Matias went to a foreign country. Yeah. She's running for Congress. She went to a foreign country to campaign and raise money mm. and get votes from people who are in the Dominican Republic, which is a totally different country than ours. 
while she's running for our Congress. And so you know there's going to be a shit ton of absentee ballots yeah. coming in from Tanaris. I don't know exactly. I'm sure there's an easy way to figure out the number by calling the city clerks. How many have gotten already? Um, but it'd be interesting to see percentage-wise compared to other elections how many they actually have. But uh, How do you find our city clerk, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot? How do we find him? How do you find him? How, what, what, do you, what do you think of him? Because I... Well, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in anything going on down there at all. I'll say uh, my faith in the Lawrence City Clerk uh, has increased significantly really? over the last five increased? to ten years. Increased over the last five okay. to ten years. There was a point in time where I did not think a lot of our city clerk, and I still continually don't think a lot. But I, I think um, the elections division, at least, has a better handle on things than they did, say, when Rafael Tejada was in charge. Right. And right. so I think maybe it's less on the city clerk, more in the elections division for me. So I have a lot more uh, confidence in it, I'd say, over the last five years. Prior to that, anyone who was you know, in Lawrence elections a decade ago, um, it, it, it was not... They were all Antigua it, people. It, it, was, it was a tough time, you know, even having a conversation with somebody in there, let alone getting the information that you needed. So Now, I hear there's a, a big controversy. Somebody said there was going to be some kind of a demonstration tomorrow, maybe. Um, whereby I guess maybe somebody that's working on Marcos's campaign works in the election department. Dahlia's got some oh. big thing up she's crying about. Yeah. She's always whining about something. There is a pre... I don't know uh, currently if that individual is, is supporting Marcos. It, I know in the past that individual has supported Marcos, but the toughest part about it is you get people in the elections office, people that apply for a job in the elections office usually have some sort of history in elections. Right. Right. You got to know something about it to work there. So you always find somebody in there who supported someone or another one and back and forth. So, it, yeah. But I mean, you, there are definitely people in there now. The current bilingual coordinator has supported Marcos in the past, but the one before that was an avid Willow Antigua supporter. So, right. Right. But he was it's walking easy to figure with, out. But he was walking around in the election department with a Lantigua button on. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, the, I, I walked, wasn't closed about it. I walked in and saw that, and I was like, well, we know who's winning the next election. Yeah. Right? I mean, no, come absolutely. on. So I, I didn't know about that protest. It doesn't surprise me, but I think it's almost non-starter at this point. With So do you think Willie wins at the end of the day? Will, does Willie pull it off? This is the only race I have I have a hard time taking a, uh, um, a guess on what's going to happen, but I think... Because you he know, cheats, I think he. I think he's got the edge. You know, when in doubt, it's it's Willie's world. Right. I'll just live in it. So right. it, it, you never know. Um, I, I, remember, I remember sitting with you in a in a, in a parking lot one yes. day, and we were, when he, when uh, Willie was running for mayor, and we were trying to go through like all the who's going to win, who's not going to win, and we both kind of looked at each other, and I went, "Wouldn't it be crazy if Willie actually pulled this off and nah, won?" Like he'll no, never do it. Nobody, nobody, never do nobody's it. Nobody's ever going to believe that. Come on, I said. I think I'm going to predict Willie wins, and we were like, "Nah." And you talked me out of it. You're like, "Yeah, don't say that. Everyone's going to think you're crazy." And then he won. He did win. He did win overwhelmingly. So you can't count Willie out. You ever. Know, you can't count Marcos out. Marcos actually is running a different campaign this year, which is very, it's very good for me. Like, I, it's it's encouraging for me to see because, and I love Marcos, but I say this out of love. He's been a lazy campaigner over the years. He doesn't really do the door knocking that he's supposed to do, and this year I think he has done a lot of that. I've received two phone calls from his campaign asking really? me to vote for him. Good, yeah. good. So they're, they're doing That's the phone calls. They're doing the, and he bought a full page ad in the Valley Patriot, so he's spending money, mm -hmm. which is good. Last time he didn't spend a lot of money. Yep. Um, and I'm not sure why, like as a side topic, why these candidates spend so much of their own money. You know, I mean, he's yeah, he's up there. He's like one of the top ones that's always throwing his own money into it. And I, I always tell candidates it. You should never put your own money in the race. Just isn't, it, isn't it interesting when you look at Lawrence and you look at it's predominantly Dominican, it's predominantly Latino. Latinos who vote Democrat down the ticket in a partisan race, they're socially very conservative. Mm. 
for the most part, for the vast majority of Latinos, are anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. The vast majority are pro-death penalty. They're against gay marriage. They're against transgender Very religious. Um, from a very religious social, uh, and yet at election time they still go D down the ticket, yeah. and the Democrat Party represents the exact opposite of all those things, and I, that always that always it, it creates a disconnect in my head. I still can't after years and years figure that out. It just shows, I think, that um, they're they you know even though they have conservative social values economically, they're still extremely liberal, and that's what they take over. It's not the race thing. I don't think it's the race thing. No. I, I think, that, well, you know, that, that may play a part into it in the sense that uh, people that they know, the Will Antiguas over the year, over the years, have been Democrats. So they've sort of maybe gravitated that way mm-hmm. for economic reasons. Mm-hmm. They put that a little bit over the social values, I think. So now we've got the state rep race in North Andover and Methuen. This is a tough one for me. Um, you've got no Republican. Actually, is there a Republican? There might be a Republican uh, in the final, but probably doesn't have a shot. Um, who is is the Republicans from North Andover though, right? Yeah, Ryan Lusk, yeah, so he's got no shot. Young kid, um, twenty two years old, I think. Yeah, and look at him. I'm hoping the best for him. But in the primary, it looks like whoever wins that Democrat, excuse me, primary is probably going to win. Mm-hmm. And the choices are uh, former Methuen City Councilor Lisa Ferry, mm-hmm. who I jumped on board with very quickly, um, and uh, she's kind of a moderate uh, conservative Democrat. And then you've got uh, Christina Minacucci, who is a left-wing moonbat, who's all for sanctuary cities, let everybody come and stay, give them all welfare. She's wearing her Birkenstocks when she's, when she's uh, knocking doors. Um, she's a left-wing progressive, which is code for traitor. Um, yeah, they both fell off their chair when I said that. Um, and so I'm looking at this race, and my initial thought was, no one's going to beat Lisa because this is a district that was gerrymandered for a Methuen seat. Except then all these things start happening, right? So Lisa was on the last Methuen City Council, Mm -hmm. which is the council that voted for all these police raises, Mm -hmm. which is the council that allowed Judy Scandal to go in the red last year, not to mention this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And and she has former Methuen City Council on the ballot. And I think that's probably going to hurt her a lot. Plus, look, I'm I'm on her side. I called her up and I said, listen, I need a, need a, a sign for my window. Never got back to me with a sign. Told her, I want you to come on the show. Oh, I have to call Jim Frantini and ask him if it's okay. So I thought, you know what? She may, she may actually not have any chance at all to win at this point. If she, a, if she's listening to Jim Frantini, B, she's not proactively getting her signs out and getting back to people about debates and stuff like that. She's not really very accessible even to the insiders. She obviously isn't going to be accessible to the public. That's going to show on election day. And then you've got Minakuchi who is going to swamp in North Andover. It's going to be, I think... A low turnout, but she's going to get the majority of the votes in North Andover. Um, and if she can just pull uh, some votes out of Lawrence, she speaks. She's like Diana; she speaks Spanish fluently. She mm-hmm. knows, goes door to door, and she can speak to them. I don't know who wins that race. I, I think initially I thought Lisa was going to walk away with it. Now I'm not too sure. Well, for if I can back up one second, one thing that you said I think that you'll agree on is this: the seat was not gerrymandered for Methuen. Who, no? Who gerrymandered the seat to begin with? Well, the legislature did. But whose seat was it when it was gerrymandered? It was Dave Teresi's. And he got kicked off his next election. Right. Because he had his own district pretty much gerrymandered from Methuen. Right. Thinking he could take it. Right. Diana DiZoglio. I always love that story. Was it, it's, it was picked by that state rep at that state time. Yeah, at that she, time. she kicked his ass. That was so much fun. And um, I think that... Uh, you're right. There, there are a lot of a lot of uh, moving parts at this race in particular, but I think at the end of the day, it's very much a, a North Andover turnout versus Methuen turnout. I think to, at the end of the day, the average Methuen voter 
will go out and vote for a Methuen candidate over a North Andover candidate, especially where the Methuen candidate leans a little bit more to the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, Methuen's... But you don't think that there's so much fury in Methuen over their elected officials, over the police contract, Juga being out of control, uh, the fights at the city council meeting, the, the $4 million in the red from the school department, a state overseer coming in. You don't think that... Well, I think... That the, does, the fury is going to make them say, I'm not voting for somebody who's... I think that does play a part, part into it. But remember, that seat only has three precincts of Methuen. There's only three small precincts of Methuen. Precincts 3, 7, and 10. Mm-hmm. One of them, Lisa represented on the council for six years. Okay. So I think she that's does... That's her home her That's home her home precinct. Okay. So I think, to, to that note, I think Lisa still takes a huge chunk of votes in Methuen. Are there people who are going to go and protest vote? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think for, for a fact... Meanwhile, though, you're telling me there aren't people in North Andover that are going to go out and say, I'm not voting for the David Teresi candidate. Well, you're right. You could, you could be right I, about I that. I mean, one of them could be sitting at this table right here. Right. Who is the, I'm not going to vote for anybody that David Teresi backs. Right. You know what I mean? Me neither. Yeah, that David Teresi, Phil DeCalagero, Mark DeSalvo, North Andover sort of grouping, they move forward with the candidate. I think there are people who are similarly going to do the same thing. Now, maybe not at the same level right. that people in Methuen might go out, but Lawrence and Haverhill do pay, uh, play a huge part in that, too. So, can Lisa pick up votes in Haverhill because, you know, Fiorentini's out there stumping for her, going yeah, she, door to door? I think she wins Haverhill. She wins Haverhill. Not many votes in Haverhill, but no. there she does win that. Similarly in Lawrence, can Christina Minicucci go out and stump with Dan Rivera? Yeah. Is Dan Rivera really going to stump for her when Dan Rivera's got well, I think other fact- candidates that he's really pushing at this point in I time. I think the fact that she speaks Spanish. I know when, Helps, Di- yeah. when, when Diana was knocking doors, she said she got so many votes in Lawrence because this you know, tiny little white girl knocks on their door and starts yeah. speaking fluent Spanish and they were all impressed. Mm-hmm. And I think Christine has probably got that too. So I don't know how to call that race. In fact, I'm not even sure who I'm voting for. I initially was going to vote for Lisa Ferry. The fact that she's not here today, the fact that she never got me a sign, uh, the fact that she had to go run to ask Jim Frontini for permission for stuff. Uh, makes me wonder. I might even just leave it blank. I'm not even sure what I'm going to do in that race. I mean, she still has half a week to convince me. But, um, but, and if I'm not sure, right? And I'm, I'm right. looking for a I'm, reason. I'm looking for a reason. Any reason. I'm looking for a reason to vote for Lisa Ferry. She's yeah. not giving me one. And and I, so I don't I don't know how that how that plays out. And I think the other thing to watch too, Gary, because you know we talk about the phonies in politics. All the people who are saying vote for Christina Minicucci because she's from North Andover, are they going to say that in the final when the Republicans from North Andover? Are they all going to say, no, 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 let's all go with the Republican guy because we need a North Andover guy in that seat? I'm pretty sure they're not going to be doing that. I don't think they're going to do that. No. They didn't do it for anybody that ran against Diana. Right. You know, uh, Rosemary and, and um, Corinne Roten as well. Right. They were very apt to pick the Democrats. So when you so. hear, when, so hear Minicucci supporters say, oh, we need somebody from North Andover, you know they're full of shit. Right, because you know they're not, they're not going to vote for the the Republican if that if uh, in oh, the final. And here's another thing to think about too: the congressional race yep. is in Methuen and Lawrence and Haverhill. Yeah, no congressional race in North Andover. Oh, that's true. So North Andover, their driving factor this We're, primary is this state rep race. Right. So if they're going out, they're going out vote to vote for the state rep, or maybe the governor's race or something right. like that. But so you'll have a lower turnout in North Andover, lower than you will than Lawrence, Methuen, and, and Haverhill. Historically, North Andover has the highest turnout in this precinct, in this district, because they have more precincts. There's mm-hmm. five precincts in North Andover, but I think the congressional race actually bumps Methuen's number to be very similar. So Lisa probably pulls that off then. I, I think it's going to be it's going to come down to being very close, but I think at the end of the day. Methuen's high turnout will help her 
make this very neck and neck. And sadly, when we say hi, we mean maybe 30%. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Because, I mean, I always look at the final numbers after an election, especially a primary, and I look at how many people, what was the percentage of the voter turnout, and then what percentage of that was the, was what percentage of the actual population Mm. of, like, say, so if you have 30% turnout in Lawrence, that's 30% of 40,000 voters, but there's 90,000 people in Lawrence. So what percentage of the actual people, people live in who, Lawrence? Yeah. And, and it's really a very small percentage of people who choose our, choose our government leaders. And this is why our government is in total disarray, because nobody cares anymore. Not to drag this race on more, too, but I think another thing that, for me at least, that, that would worry me um, from the doing side of things is brand new city clerk. City clerk that's only been there now for a couple of months because Jajuga let the city clerk that was there for over a decade go. Yep. So you let someone go two, three months before a primary election like this. I, not that I think anything's going to go wrong, but that's a, a large learning curve for right. somebody. Yeah, what could in. go wrong? You get a brand new city clerk like you know, a couple of weeks before an election. Yeah. By the way, I, I like the new city clerk. I have a lot of people bashing him on my Facebook page because Jajuga appointed him. That's really all I – yeah, I like the guy too. But uh, Jack Wilson's a great guy. He Jack is. Wilson, I don't care that Jajuga appointed him. I don't even care that he's Jajuga's friend. Um, I think we have to be very careful not to bash people based on who their friends are. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends that are like you and, and, and Blashford that are left-wing moonbats. You guys want to sell the whole country out, right? From my perspective. But you're still my friends. We can still hang right. out. And, and, I, and I, anyways, um, let's, um, let's take a quick break, uh, Ed Sullivan. When we come back, I want to talk very heavily about the congressional race for the mm-hmm. third congressional district. It's amazing to me what's going on in that race. You guys... You guys are going to love this. You've got a transgender he, she, it. You've got a gay guy married to another guy. You've got a millennial who's a Latina from Lawrence. And the guy that's going to win is probably the rich white guy from Andover. A&M Auto Body. we got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Memolo over there, he does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to AM Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. Angelo will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three, South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. Then we got Joe Zingales, Rosanna Zingales Lopez from Century 21. They have been with us from the very first edition of the Valley Patriot. They've been with us from the very first Paying Attention show which was in 1999, back when he was Remax. He's not Remax anymore. Now he's Century 21, Teams and Gallus. And they sponsor our bash. They gave a $1,000 scholarship this year. They gave a $2,000 scholarship last year. And that money comes right out of their pocket. That's not like they're collecting money from other people and just using it like I do. They actually took money out of their pocket. So I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Light Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston, and they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people, and I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin, and I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person and you're short, I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I, ha- so I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. 
They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed, make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. And he's on South Broadway. With the, it's the old Scott Funeral Home. If, you were, if you're an old-time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, you can, they do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a big fan of the show. He followed us when we go live. He's in advertising now in the print edition of the paper. And he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group. Uh, he specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit. Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, he specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Dale's Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was the credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and, um, and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Veloz Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North Andover line. If Warner wasn't in the race, I might think about supporting her. Oh, sh- we're back on live. Shh. I didn't say that. Hey, how you guys doing? Back on the Paying Attention podcast. Forget you just heard any of that. Um, I can trust all of you guys. I know I can. Uh, Tom Duggan back here on the Paying Attention podcast, our Thursday show. And we are sitting here with Gary Mannion Jr., who is a hero Lawrence firefighter. He is a political pundit. He's been following politics in Lawrence since he was a little kid. He used to watch me when I used to do the, uh, when I used to do the live uh, election night coverage at City Hall uh, on cable access. And he has run for school committee. He sits on the – you still sit on the Greater Lawrence Vocational School Committee? That must be fun. Uh, you, sat, you worked with Jessica. I did work with Jessica, yeah. How was that? That was, that was fun. Yeah, did you want to kill her sometimes? That was fun. Sometimes I want to kill her. That was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it was man. fun. And if she's watching this, she'll, she'll know what I mean. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. She always kept it interesting. Yeah, well, she, well, and that's why I'm so glad she's on the Methuen City Council, because she, oh. she makes that fun, too. Methuen's better for it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, ag- I agree with she's you. She's one of the good guys, for sure. So Gary, Gary is kind of a, a political ne- neophyte, if I'm using the right word. Um, he, he, he really has delved down into a lot of these things. And by the way, he's a left-wing Democrat. So it's good to have him on the show to find out, you know, to pick his brain about what's going on. Because most of these races we're talking about are Democrat primaries. I can't wait to talk about the Republican Senate primary, though. All right. We can hopefully... That, we'll... That's an unbiased opinion. Okay. Here, so. All right. Um, let's start with the congressional race, the 3rd Congressional District. Now, in full, dis- in full disclosure, um, even though I'm a right-wing Tea Party guy... Uh, I don't know. Does the Tea Party even exist anymore? Uh, I'm, but I'm still a right wing. Lyon, Jim Lyons thinks it does. Okay, I'm, I'm a right wing Tea Party guy. I'm 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 as far right as you can get. Um, I still, in full disclosure, am going to be supporting Juana Matias. Uh, Gary's just complete. You can't see it at home, but he's shaking his head, crying. Uh, but there's ten people in this race, so let's kind of go through who they are and, yeah. and, and what they do and. Uh, and who's got a shot? Now, I don't think for a minute that Juana Matias has a chance in this race. Mm-hmm. I think she gets a lot of votes out of Lawrence. I think she pulls a decent vote out of Haverhill. She'll get the Latino vote. That's what she's going to get. And there will be no millennial vote. I know everybody thinks that 
There's going to be a millennial. Every year it's going to be, if the millennials vote, we can sweep this race. And they never do because they're lazy and they're millennials. Um, but I don't think she's got a chance. But I do think, I, I, let me put it this way. The reason I'm going to support and the reason I am supporting Juana, even though she, I disagree with her on every single thing she says, is because she's at least being honest about being a traitor to our country. And when you ask a Dan Coe or a Barbara Latalian, why are you for open borders? Well, they know that the phrase open borders tests very negatively when they do push polling. So they always say, no, 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 Tom, Tom, I'm not for open borders. And I say, well, what are you for? Well, we want no, no wall on the border. Let everybody stay. Let everybody come here. Give everybody welfare. Make everybody a citizen. Path to citizenship. Mm-hmm. Newsflash, that's open borders. You might know you want to use the phrase, but that's what it is. But when you ask Juana Matias, why are you for open borders? She looks you in the eye and says, here's why. And I would rather have a trader that's going to tell me they're selling me out than have a trader who's going to lie to my friggin' face like the rest of them and say, no, I'm not for open borders, and then go on to explain how they're actually, yeah, they're for open borders. They just don't want to use that word. So I hate the lying. The lying to me in politics is what really pisses me off. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm endorsing her. Plus, every vote she takes in Lawrence is a vote she takes away from Barbara Italian. Mm. And I really don't want Barbara Italian to be our next con. I don't care who wins. They're all traitors. They're all going to hate Trump. They're all going to want everyone to come here from everywhere. They're all going to want a path to citizenship for every person in the world. They all care more about everyone else in the world but American citizens. So I'd rather have someone that's going to be honest about all that. Fair. Thoughts? Um, wholeheartedly disagree with you. But it, <laughs> I guess that's, that's why I'm here, though. So, right. Um, that's what makes it fun. I think that um, – uh, Full disclosure, I'm supporting Barbara Italian, but get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, Are I'm you really I'm supporting Barbara Italian? Wish I knew that before I invited him on. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, and it, for me, it's, it's more of even a personal connection that I've, you know, supported Barbara for many times over the years. So um, she was sort of just a natural choice for me. But I do think that um, we could go on and on about why I think she's the best candidate and why I think she'll be best suited to go against Donald Trump in Washington. Um, but don't we want somebody who, and this is good because we're on different sides of this, don't we want someone who's not going to go against Donald Trump, No. but somebody who's going to say, okay, what are the things Donald Trump is doing that are good he that is. I can work with him on? Name one. Well, I won't say name one thing because I'm sure you have plenty of things that we'll, we're not going to agree on any of them, but I, I, I understand what you're saying. Well, like, you want the, you well, want the compromise. Right. The well, compromise well, let's just take something like the opioid crisis. It's not a partisan issue, right? Right. We all care about the opioid crisis. If Donald Trump comes out with an idea to help the opioid crisis, some kind of funding measure, some kind of a program that he wants to do, I don't want a Democrat from Massachusetts to automatically say, no, that's evil because it's Donald Trump's idea. I want someone to say, hey, you know what? That could actually help my district. I'm going to work with Donald Trump on that, even though I don't agree with him on all these other things, just like you and I and, and me and, and Jim can sit around and have coffee and talk about the things that we agree with, even though we're on opposite sides politically. I think that might even be a moot point, though. Do you think Juan is going to do that? No. Okay. Do you but, think, she, but she can't win. Do you think any of these people would do that? Any of these Democratic uh, candidates? I don't know. Probably not. Who? Oh, okay. You think Laurie maybe, will? Maybe, maybe Laurie would. Laurie Trahan? Well, maybe, maybe I'll have to change my vote then. 
You're putting them up. You know what? Please change your vote. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, don't we want, I mean, if we care more about America than we care about our politics, don't we want someone that's going to be able to work with the guy that's in there on issues that they at least agree on? And look, you can still say he's a Nazi and you can still lie about him being a Russian spy and all this other stuff. And you can still throw red meat to your base. But on the important issues that actually affect all of us, can't you just sit down and work with the guy like on the opioid crisis or on taxes or whatever? No, absolutely. And, and I, I think when it comes to something like the opioid epidemic, I think a lot of these candidates do understand that and would be willing to meet somewhere in the middle. Granted, Donald Trump probably won't be leading that fight. It would be somebody in the House anyways. But I, I think a lot of them, someone like Barbara Italian, who's worked within the Massachusetts legislature and has had to work with somebody like Charlie Baker, has had to work with somebody like Mitt Romney, kind of understands where she can meet in the middle on certain mm-hmm. things like that. So someone that served with Republican governors like that um, I think is probably best suited to do that. All right, let's go through the let's go through the candidates and let's talk about who some of them are and what they do. Sure. And uh, I had I had them all here and I don't know where they went. Do you have your list in front of you? I do. All right, why don't we go with you? You want to go down the line? Yeah, sure. First one, uh, Jeffrey Ballinger from Andover. Um, who? Exactly. <laughs> sort of a no name, uh, brand new to to politics. Um, very very. You think I'm to the left? He's he's pretty far off to the left as. Further than me. By the way, where did all these traders come from? Like what? Andover. How, how did it seep? <laughs> he came in, from Andover. How did it seep into the Democrat Party and take over the Democrat Party to care more about people from other countries than than their own citizens? Like how did that happen? Um, I I don't know where they're coming from. I I think it's just uh, I I don't know. I, I wish I had the answer to that. Um, I I don't I don't have an answer to that. I've never really thought about it because I, I've never seen it as like a bad thing. Really? No. I, Car- I, caring more about people who are not American citizens than American citizens is not a bad thing. I didn't say, I didn't say caring more about people well, who are not, if, but if, also caring about people who are not. Yeah, listen, and I'm okay for caring for people who are not American citizens after we take care of American citizens. Our whole government structure is set up to tax American citizens, have that money go to the American government so that the American government can service American citizens. And when you have people who care more about taking American tax dollars and giving it to not American citizens and letting not American citizens go when they commit crimes because we don't want them deported, whereas an American citizen would have gone to jail. To me, the, the priority is of the Democrat Party as a whole, especially at the national level, is to care more about people who are not from here. And, and I think the reason for that is that the white middle class has abandoned the Democrat Party and they're trying to now replace them with foreigners, like people who aren't from here and people who aren't even supposed to be here. All right. I, I disagree. I, I don't think they're trying to replace the middle class with foreigners, but I, yeah. I, I definitely think that you know, bringing the bottom up doesn't necessarily mean bringing people who are not necessarily um, citizens up to the middle class. It means bringing everybody at the bottom up. Some of them happen to be um, not originally from this country, and so be it. They're going to they're gonna absolutely add to the economy as well. But I mean... Definitely, I was. As we look at this list of candidates here, I'm sure some of them would argue further off to the left than I would. But, yeah. but uh, well, I'm looking at. I'd I'm, get it. I'm looking at the top three fundraisers in this race, right? Because we're not going to yep. have time to go through every candidate. There's ten of them. Right. Um, I see that uh, the top three are Dan Cole, the rich white guy from Andover, uh, Rufus Gifford, who is a gay guy married to a guy, and Laurie Trahan. And this is very, very um, amusing. To those of us who like to watch Democrats say that they care about transgenderisms and the first, the first gay, the first Latino, the first black, the first whatever, the first Eskimo, 
and it seems like you got two rich white people, three rich white people up at the top of this list, and the Latina is like way down at the bottom. You got the transgender way down at the bottom. The only thing that really shows any diversity at all on this list is Rufus Gifford happens to be gay, married to a gay guy, which doesn't really mean anything anymore today because it's kind of standard, right? So how is it that a party that proclaims having diversity as being like so important, it's so important that we have diversity, it's just paramount to everything else. We should even hire unqualified people just to get diversity into whatever company or government program. And yet, it really kind of looks like Dan Coe is going to be the guy that's going to walk away from this. And he's the rich white guy from Andover. He's Lebanese and Korean. Who's got white skin. Like, I don't, I, care mean, what, I don't care what his background is. When you look I think at him, he would argue with you on that one. When you look at him, he's white. <laughs> Nobody, look, when he walks into a, a coffee shop, nobody's mistaking him for an African-American and making him sit in the back. All right? If, if this... If this Fantasy of white privilege actually exists. He's got it. <laughs> Agreed. Right? I agree. So, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying his point of, per, his point of perspective, right. Trump would stop his family at the border today. Yeah. As I'm we've not, said. I'm not sure how that would happen considering his parents were born here. But okay. Um, I'm just going off what he says. I, I look, agree with you. I know. I, I, know. I, I agree with you. And I think, I think as we're looking at this list, you do name Cole Gifford and Trahan as, as top three fundraisers. But what do Dan Cole, Rufus Gifford, and Lori Trahan not have? That Barbara Latalian and Juana Matias have. Um, wow. They're, they're all white except for one. Or I don't know. You got me. They don't have a base and they don't have name recognition. Both of which Juana Matias and Barbara Latalian came into this race with. Right. So Barbara Latalian and Juana Matias don't need to spend a million dollars informing people who they are. A large majority of the base in this congressional district knows who uh, Barbara Latalian is. And a very, very small portion know who Juana Matias is, but it is still a portion of it. So they had to spend... Million a million dollars just to in Dan Coe's case millions of dollars to get where they are. Dan Coe is you know pulling ahead, but he's pulling ahead because he's just throwing money into his name recognition. Right, People right. hear his name repetitively. Less so now on Rufus Gifford, and I think less so now on Lori Trahan as well. Even though she's been getting endorsements from like the little son, the Boston Globe, they've all been coming out for she's her. She's pretty. Well, I, I I'm trying to figure out where that aspect's coming from and where they're trying to kind of jump on her bandwagon. Maybe it's because she has the most money coming into this. She had most in her bank and she's a Lowell girl, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, they kind of like the whole Lowell aspect of it. Right. But um, wholeheartedly, I don't, I see she's fighting for fifth place. In this. Really? So she, who do you think the top two are? I, I, I kind of, I kind of thought it was going to be Co. It is going to be And Cole. Laurie. No. And um, all of my Democrat friends are telling me that in the Western part of this district, Rufus Gifford has wrapped it up. It's going to be, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be Cohen Italian, I think. Really? But I think Gifford has a fair shot at second place. Really? Sure. Yeah. So you think Barbara Italian could be in the top three? Now, are you saying like that because you're supporting her? No, I, I think she's, she's fighting for first place. I think oh. her and Co are going to fight it out um, based on just not just polling numbers that we've seen, but um, polling numbers from inside of campaigns and outside of campaigns, biased and non-biased. Uh, she definitely has what she needs in place to finish top two. Wow. So um, you think Barbara's got the organization? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really? The ground okay. game. But, but also, Rufus also has that. But Rufus is also running out of money very quickly. If you look at his recent campaign finance report. But he's spending it smarter. I have seen uh, – I spend a lot of time on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of Rufus oh. Gifford's ads on YouTube, on every Facebook, ad, on Twitter. Every ad. It's Rufus Gifford first. Right. He always gets himself in there first. So he is putting a lot of money into that. It's a social media, and I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Because if he wins, it's going to be because of that, I think. Well, I don't see I – I personally don't think that the whole media aspect has a lot to do with this election, right? I don't think that TV advertisement is what's going to win you this election. I don't think newspaper advertisement – Hey, hey, hey. What, 
Other than maybe the Valley Patriot. I don't know any other newspaper advertising that's going to win you this election. Will it help? Absolutely. I don't think it wins because you have 10 candidates. When you have 10 candidates going on a race the day after Labor Day with a low turnout, yep. if you've knocked on 10,000 doors, you're putting yourself in a good spot. Right. Whoever has that team in place to go out there and do that ground game, in this race in particular, it will matter. It's all get out the vote. It's all it your TV. Whoever can get their people to the polls on election day, it's going to be very, very low turnout. It's going to be the one that wins. I still think Dan Coe wins because he's the rich white guy from Andover, and the and I think the Democrats are full of crap when they cry about diversity and Latinos and blacks and transgenders and gays. And I think at the end of the day, none of them really believe any of that. It's all just talking points for them to sound good, and at the end of the day, they're all still going to go with the rich white guy from Andover. Uh, well, he's also not from Andover. I'd like, to, I'd like to know. He was born in Andover, I believe, uh, but he lived in Boston up until about mm-hmm. six months ago. So we got to move quick. So, uh, and I don't want to forget the Amano race. Um, we have in the state Senate race now, because Barbara Latayan's running for Congress, we have her state Senate seat is open. And of course, Barry Feingold, who never saw an election he didn't like, decided to come back and run for his state Senate seat. Barbara actually replaced him when he left to run for state treasurer and he lost. Um, I, don't, I don't see um, Mr. Amano winning that race, but boy, I wish the hell he would. Yeah, even though we didn't buy any ads after he promised he would, but um, but I, I I'm still hoping because look Barry Feingold's a nice guy. He's got the personality of cardboard. Um, you know, you talk to him, it's like, "Hi, Gary. Hi, how are you? Good, Gary. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, good. Um, so he's not very dynamic. Um, he yeah. he doesn't really have a personality, but he's got the name. Mm-hmm. He's got the rich white Jewish name from Andover. Mm-hmm. He's got a gazillion dollars in the bank, and he's the consummate insider. Let's remember, he's the guy that walked through the $4 million bailout loan for Willie Lantigua mm-hmm. when Willie was mayor. He walked through the special um, home rule petition to take the police and the fire chief out of civil service for Willie Lantigua mm-hmm. so Willie could fire whoever he wanted to, mm-hmm. and he's very destructive. He's done. He really, as a state senator, did, did one thing, baby drop-off, right? So if you don't yeah. want your kid anymore... Rather than, like, I don't know, let the father take it, you can bring it to a fire station and just give it up. Safe haven, yeah. Right? Yeah. Baby safe haven. Um, I really wish Mr. Romano could win that race. I wish he had spent more money. I wish he had, had campaigned a little harder. But I'm not too sure it would have made any difference because you're going up against Barry, Barry Feingold. Yeah. I, I think it's important to know, too, Barry Feingold. You said he raised a bazillion dollars. You're not far off. He came very close. But Barry Feingold raised more than any Republican U.S. Senate candidate. So wow. he raised about $350,000 mm-hmm. um, to Mike Armano's $50,000. And Mike Armano, public employee, can't actually raise money, so other people have to do it for him, which may, always makes it tough. But um, that being said, it just there's, there's so little you have, so many few options you have when you're going up against a machine like that, right? Yep. Name recognition. Everybody in the district knows him. He was the senator for four years. So... The only thing you can really go on is, is basically it's time for somebody new. You right. know what I mean? You can kind of you can kind of run on that, and I think that's what Mike's probably really trying to push to do. But I think that um, I I think it's still tough. I think from what I've seen, there are plenty of people who know Barry Feingold, and that's also what's bad for him. Right. I agree with that. You know what I mean? The a lot of people know what you just said, and they right, feel yeah. the same exact way. The more way. people who know Barry, the less chance he has of winning. Right. right. So I think there are a lot of people who have dealt with him over the few uh, last you know decade or two that are kind of like, all right, 
enough with, yeah. with this Barry Feingold thing. So I think that helps, Mike. So I think there is a shot for Armano. I'm not saying that it's a, a definite or a lock or anything. I do think there is a shot going into it. So um, he could be the dark horse of all these candidates we're talking about today. He could be the dark horse that over that uh, that I'm. You know that, that that beats a guy that everyone's expecting yeah, to win. Absolutely, he absolutely could. I think he's found a couple of wedge issues that he's been able to kind of uh, put himself at the forefront on. If he can get the Latino vote in Lawrence, he can win. You know who's going to get the Latino vote in Lawrence? Who? Pavel Payano. Pavel Payano. What's Pavel he Payano. running for? He's running for state senate. Library's trustee. Wait, he's wait. What? Okay, ready for this? You didn't even know this. This is the best part. How is this possible? So Pavel Payano runs for state senate against them, and about a month ago. Hasn't done anything yet. Hasn't right. raised any money. Hasn't campaigned. Says, you know what? I'm going to drop out and let Wana and, and you know really push behind Wana. Right. But his name's still on the ballot. Too late to take his name off oh. the ballot. Oh. So let's go back to all those absentee ballots that we were talking about from right. the real anti the Wana campaign. Those are votes. Those are votes that come. The, actually, that hurts Barry. That hurts Barry Feingold. Takes away. Those are all votes that probably would have gone to Barry done. Feingold. So there are a lot of layers, as I'm saying to this. So the Pavel Payano effect, I think, is one that we haven't even really seen. I've been trying to tell people he probably potentially. I don't say he's going to win Lawrence Pavel Payano because a lot of people are slowly getting educated on it. But he's going to take a huge chunk of votes yeah, in Lawrence. Is. Yeah, a he huge is. Huge chunk. Yep, he is. So this race may all actually the, be won all in of the Drake at Tuxbury Andover. All the Lantigua people are going to be voting for him, and all of the Matias people now, are going to be voting don't get me for wrong. Him. Those, the, those elected officials have definitely chosen sides. Mike's gotten his share of elected officials. Barry's gotten his share of elected officials. Um, Mike's got organizations behind him. So has Barry gotten organizations behind him. But I still think there are going to be a lot of uneducated voters going out to the polls on Election Day, as we see in Lawrence so often, and they kind of stick to a name that they know. And the name they know is Payano. He's their city councilor. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been on the ballot for years. So uh, I think that he still takes a huge chunk of votes in Lawrence. That is absolutely hysterical. And now, if if one of Matias gets what she wants, and they turn out like ten thousand voters in Lawrence, I think you know, uh, Armano yeah, could win. Armano could win. But not only that, I think about it though. If ten thousand people turn out in Lawrence, and only eight of them pick Pavel Payano, yeah, Pavel Payano could have dropped out of this race and finished second. That's amazing. That's really amazing. We got four minutes left, and we've Only got to learn. Sorry, that's okay. No, it's, it, it, we we've all learned something here on the Paying Attention <laughs> podcast, and that's why I wanted to have you on. Uh, brilliant. So we only have about four or five minutes left. Let's talk about this um, Republican state, um, Republican U.S. Senate primary. It is Jeff Deal versus Kingston versus Beth Lindstrom. The real um, deal. I'm with I'm with Jeff Deal because he comes to Lawrence. He goes to the Daybreak Homeless Shelter. He goes to House of Mercy. He talks to people who are homeless. He understands the opioid crisis and supports Donald Trump. Supports Donald Trump, and he he unlike the others actually came to Lawrence, came to a poor community that he knows he's going to lose nine to one. Right? Lawrence is going to go nine to one. For the Democrat over any Republican, no matter who it is, it could be Hitler runs against Jesus Christ. If Jesus runs a Republican as a Republican in Lawrence, he loses nine to one, right? Mm-hmm. But he still came and he still wanted to learn about the opioid crisis in Lawrence. He still talked to homeless people in Lawrence, and I think he gets it. Kingston's a never Trumper, right? Kingston hates Trump. Uh, Beth Lindstrom hates Trump. She's with Charlie Baker. So I'm with I'm with uh, I'm with Deal. But what do you think about this whole race? Um, I th- again, I, I think. Jeff Deal wins the primary. Um, I don't want to say handedly, but I think he he, he pulls it out um, strongly enough. But I think he's the only one that can't beat Elizabeth Warren. You think he can't beat I don't Elizabeth think he can Warren. beat Elizabeth Warren, but I think Beth Lindstrom and or uh, John Kingston could beat Elizabeth wait, Warren. Wait, wait. You think, this, you think that in Massachusetts, a Republican can beat Elizabeth Warren? I do. Really? Yeah. If, See, if it's I, done right. Now, we'll throw it back. In 2000 and 
10, did you think Scott Brown could ever beat Martha Coakley? No, at, at the outset. No, I don't think anybody did. But that was like a special election. That was like a right. That was oh. like a Trump thing. Everything, everything kind of lined up. All the stars. Don't were Don't get me right wrong. Place. Over the last you know decade or two, only twice has the Republican Party, outside of Mitt Romney's election, beyond that, has they ever beat statewide a Democrat? No. Both times, Martha Coakley was on the ticket. So, and it was an open seat to begin with. So, I do think I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm saying there's a chance it could happen. And I think it's because of that. At the end of the day, people chose Charlie Baker over Martha Coakley even though Charlie Baker wasn't the most conservative guy. Mm -hmm. Republicans voted for him anyways, and independents went into him because he wasn't far off to the right. Mm -hmm. He wasn't that Tea Partier. He didn't come across that way. Um, So I I do think that there are a lot of pro-Trumpers that would still find themselves voting for uh, Kingston or or Livingston if they were able to get elected. Well, any, I, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Any, from a right wing perspective, any Republican is better than Elizabeth Warren. A piece of cardboard is better than Elizabeth Warren. But if it, it, but it, is uh, any Republican better than a Republican who's just kind of middle of the road? Like why isn't Scott Lively doing as well as he could be? Well, because he's in that case. All right, because for whatever reason, you know, you can say that. And I know he has he's more of a perennial candidate, but someone who is pro Trump like that, like like Jeff Deal is, I, I still think though that independents won't gravitate towards him because they're going to be scared that he's too far off to the right and they'd rather just kind of keep what they have. As where, Don't you think these Kingston ads, these really awful, horrible, despicable Kingston ads, don't you think that they're going to, if Deal wins the primary, don't you think that's going to help Deal? Because now Kingston has run all these ads saying, oh, look at all these taxes that he voted for. He voted for Democrats. Look how, look how liberal he is. And now if he wins the primary, he can now use those ads to convince independents that he's not going to be a right-wing kook. No, I, I, I think Kingston's actually helping the guy. I haven't seen any Kingston ad against Deal. Oh, my God. They're everywhere. I've seen pro-Kingston ads yeah, no, they're against everywhere. Like, knocking down like Elizabeth Je- Warren. Jeff Deal kicks puppies on his, on his way out of his house every morning, and then he slaps children on his way to work. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's Jeff Deal once voted for a Democrat. It's like, come on. I actually, I actually interviewed Kingston. I'm going to have that up today or tomorrow. Um, he's got a very impressive resume. And he's got the money to be. He's got too. the money, but I don't want a Republican that hates Trump. But you got Charlie Baker. I mean, well, listen, if there was anybody but Charlie Baker that I thought could win, I'd be supporting them. But Charlie Which Baker plays is, to my point that if there was anybody else other than Livingston running that could win, he would be supporting them. So if, if Livingston wins, he could appeal to the middle. Listen, he won't win, but he if could. Livingston, uh, okay, all right. Could be right. Charlie Baker wins easy, right? Easy. Anyway, I hear Melvin Taylor, who is telling us that we have to go home, so let's go home. Uh, I want to thank all of our sponsors. I want to thank Gary Mannion, uh, Rich Russell, who comes, and, uh, of course, Cartoon Guy, who's always here. Don't forget Political TNT here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Make sure you give a, take a look at uh, uh, Nancy Troy and, uh, and her brother. What's his name? Uh, Tom. Tom Troy. And... Um, Melvin Taylor says go home. Make sure you vote November 4th. Vote November 4th. September 4th. September 4th. Tom also. Kim Kim Kidney. KimKidney1960 at gmail.com if you know anybody that wants to donate a kidney here on the Paying Attention podcast. So I think we got got all that stuff out, right? Sounds good to me. What's the big surprise? What's the big surprise Tuesday? Big surprise Tuesday. Lori Trahan doesn't finish top five. Really? All right. I say the big surprise is Christina Minacucci wins in the state rep race. Home, so go home already. Carry on like brothers, even though we know it's a lie. So leave, leave with your right.
expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21, Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.